What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 73 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined, as ever, by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, on this glorious death metal evening, how are you? Much less cynical than usual, mate, I'll say that. Um, feeling pretty good about the next uh, 30 to 40 minutes that we're going to be talking about today. Death metal, right? Mate, death metal. Death metal. Death right. metal. It's great. I love it so much. Um, that should be the podcast, actually. Just that for 30 minutes. Death metal, right? right. Death yeah. metal, right? <laughs> death metal, right? Because, like, mate, steadily higher. You know, like, I've only recently, like, this year, and I, but when I say recently this year, I mean, like, in the last two or three months, started to delve on death metal. And, mate, what a genre, right? Yeah, yeah, how sticky is death metal, Chris? Hey, unreal. Like, uh, I think what did it for me was Violence Unimagined by Cannibal Corpse, you know. All right, he- okay. Hearing, hearing how great that album was this far into their career. And I, I, I'd known of Cannibal Corpse quite well. But I was like, wow, this is, like, really, really great. Like, I love this album so much. And they're 20, 30 years into their career and they're... After 1992, they've pretty much been like this kind of harsh death metal band. Obviously, pre pre when Chris Barnes in the band, it was like <laughs> insane, insane death metal. The kind of which they gave even me and you, like, mate, Tomb of the Mutilated. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's all a bit silly, isn't it? Tomb of the Mutilated. Well, it, it proves the point that the members of Cannibal Corpse were like, should we lighten this up a little? <laughs> Yeah, you it's know, all like this silly. is this is getting a bit silly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But like, and after that, they they kind of morphed into this like really kind of classic, like fervent death metal band. And I heard that we listened to and we loved Violence on Imagine, and I, I then thought, right, I'm gonna like go back and listen to like the classics of, of like the death metal genre. And mate, I've found so much good stuff in there. Like I, I'd never really listened to Altar of Madness by Morbid Angel before. Mate, it's amazing. So yeah, good. it's class. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really, really good. It's, a, so it's, a good. Lang, it's a landmark album for a reason. And it's really timeless, isn't it? Death metal, like Altar of Madness, like early nineties. The exact year has escaped me. I want to say ninety three, but like, regard early nineties at, at the very least. And like, mate, it's timeless. The album still bangs hard. Now, yeah, yeah. Same, same with Death. No, oh, like, mate. Symbolic, 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 symbolic will be class in twenty thirty five. Easy. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just it's just an amazing album. Same with um, Slaughter of the Soul by Out of the Gates. Funny you should mention that, Sam. <laughs> uh, as you can see from the title of this episode, this is our review of the new At the Gates album, The Nightmare of Being. Uh, we are the Noise Podcast, though. We come to you usually every fortnight on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast slash watch, we will be there. Uh, however, this for this uh, occasion, Whenever there's a big record coming out that means Sam would like to discuss or I've got a big interview that I'm doing, we do release a weekly episode and this is one of them. So we are going to speak purely about the new At The Gates record, The Nightmare Of Being. It is out on July 2nd via Century Media Records. It is the band's seventh studio album and the follow-up to 2018's To Drink From The Night Itself. Sam, you were the first person 
that ever. Oh, actually, before I get into the review, um, uh, follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Me and Sam both run that account. And the best way to support us is to subscribe if you watch it on YouTube or like slash follow, depending on whichever service you are using. Sam, you were the first person that ever introduced me to At the Gates. If you remember correctly, me and you yes, were walking around HMV in Birmingham. Uh, we said to each other, uh, you know what, let's do something cool. Uh, you pick a record out of this collection that you want me to hear and we'll do it vice versa one that we've never heard before i picked the black is beautiful by let live for you what ridiculous album and you you picked slaughter of the soul for me so i listened to slaughter of the soul i thought i I could tell immediately that it was like this classic landmark really great record but it was one of those where i listened to it that's a great record i never listened to it again until as i was mentioning right at the introduction of the podcast after I listened to Violence and Imagine by Cannibal Corpse, I thought, Death Metal's amazing, and I'm going to go back through Death Metal and listen to the real classics. And, mate, for the last, like, month, I've listened to Slaughter of the Soul, and that album is absolutely daft. It's so brilliant. It's so it's brilliant. perfect. It's perfect. And, uh, Sam, I think it's a record that you wouldn't understand the importance of Slaughter of the Soul in 1996, you can only really understand the importance of that album now because of the new wave of American heavy metal. I mean, if we look at Kill Switch, Unearth, Shadows Fall, those are three bands off the top of my head that I question what their sound would have been like had Slaughter of the Soul never come out. Because the first the first real existence of metalcore was Poison the Well and Converge and Botch, and that was a mixture of metal and hardcore. What metalcore became in the mid-2000s I really am confident that Slaughter of the Soul played a large part of that for not every, but a, a fair proportion of the bands. Yeah, can I add In Flames in there as well, who yeah. wouldn't exist without yeah. the Gates at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that Gothenburg death metal sound just uh, laid a, a landmark. Um, but also we've got bands that, what the great thing about metal is you get the original band and then you get the bands that follow up from the original band. Mm. And then the bands that branch out further and then we get this whole tree of, 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 of great music. Like, do we have Opeth, like, to the level that they are, without Out the Gates? Probably we, we still do, but in the same sort of fashion. Do you know what I mean? Do we have, do we have black metal in the, in the same sort of way? At least that modern combination of metalcore and death metal and black metal, that sort of melding. Because At the Gates, and we'll get to it later, do a wonderful job of bringing all of these different elements together. Now, Slaughter of the Soul is obviously for 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 my money the like the perfect death metal album. Um, and it's one of the few really really flawless metal albums that have ever been created, in my opinion. Um, but it's also patterned different genres outside of just straight death metal, and I think that's something that the guys do particularly well something that as their career is developed they've actually got a wider repertoire and a bigger palette of stuff as it's gone along and that's um that's a credit to them um i don't get the impression that they've tried to to rewrite slaughter of the soul since i think that every album since is uh, an element of growth and i think this nightmare of being is actually a representation of that as well but obviously we'll talk about that in more detail I do want to point out, as we get into the recording here, my microphone stopped working literally 
10 seconds before we started recording. So I'm just using the microphone that's built into my laptop here. So if the sound quality isn't great on my end, I apologize for that. And I will ha absolutely have a new microphone by the time we record the next podcast. But literally like 10 seconds before we started recording, it just died and I've got no idea what's wrong with it. So if the audio is not great from my end, for any listeners, I do apologize for that. Sam, as we um, move on a little bit here, I would actually also like to preface this with, and people will probably already guess this, considering what I was just saying in terms of I've only really recently been going back through death metal and have only recently been really smashing Slaughter of the Soul. I haven't really got great contextual knowledge for At The Gate outside of Slaughter of the Soul. So for me, in terms of knowledge of At The Gate, it's Slaughter of the Soul and then this. So their comeback album in 2014 at War With Reality, not listened to it. Uh, their album that followed Very up good. The, the album that followed up that uh, in 2018 to drink from the night itself i've not listened to it and from how much i like at the gates now i am really really annoyed at myself that i didn't force someone to come and watch them with me at download when they clashed with uh, Def leopard <laughs> because the people that i was with wanted to watch Def leopard and I didn't know at the gates really that well. I just knew Slaughter of the Soul banged. So I, I feel really to... bad that I didn't come with you now. <laughs> yeah. I had to see. Because you were like, to... come to download me. I was like, ah. And now hearing this story, I would have been fucking fuming at the, at the idea of watching Death Leopard is at the gates. I would have refused to allow it. It just, yeah. it just would have happened. So I miss at the gates headline the fourth stage at download, and I was watching Death Leopard on the main stage. Awful, terrible. Um, so, on, Chris. I think that really, Sam, from, from the death metal that I've been like blasting over the last few months, for the list that I would build, uh, Symbolic by Death is a shoo-in at number one for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and then really, Sam, outside of the other classic death metal albums that I've heard, Human, Cause of Death by Obituary, Heartwork by Carcass, Altar of Madness by Morbid Angel. Yep. And yep, slaughter yep, the soul yep, yep. can really fill out that list in any order you fancy. Really, I mean, you know, you know, yeah. if, if someone insists that hard work is second, I wouldn't disagree. As yeah, long, for me, as long as symbolics number one, uh, whichever other way you want to go about it, that's fine. And um, but I think that obviously we're in that real hot spot in the early in the early nineties, right? Of just these amazing death metal records that were coming out and at the gates. Yeah. Uh, it's important to mention that, like, at the gates, they released Thought of the Soul, and then they just went away. They just went on hiatus. Yeah, they came, yeah. They came back for some uh, rerun shows in 2008, I believe. But really, Thought of the Soul, they didn't do another record for 19 years <laughs> until War With Reality came out. So really, there was, like, a, a large gap in the band's discography. And now, Sam, as we get to The Nightmare of Being, I think one of the things I love about this record is that it's a really interesting death metal album. And as much as we love Violence Unimagined, could we say Violence Unimagined is interesting? I don't think we could. It's great. It's a great death metal record, but it's not really interesting, is it? I understand that. I understand that. I think um, what, you, what you're very politely saying is that this is a much more intelligent record. Do you feel that way? 
without me getting you to say that do you feel that way yes so i, I suppose actually that's what i am saying and that's not to say that uh cannibal corpse are unintelligent good god no of course of course a corpse going to find out a cord of unintelligence it's just be the scariest moment of my life um but what I'm what I mean is I mean this record similar to Slaughter of the Soul actually there's like legitimate moments of like progressive metal in this record yeah and that completely agree that is difficult to do in the realms of melodic death metal making that work is a challenge but there's loads of it here and it's really really intelligently crafted. I completely agree. I have massive respect for a band that can set the blueprint of one genre and then completely go off from that blueprint that they themselves help fashion. Um, I think that's an incredible thing to do. And I agree with you. To fill in your gaps, uh, At War With Reality and To Drink From The Night Itself are more straight death metal records than this is. Right, okay. This is a, this is a deliberate move away. Not hmm. far away, but this is definitely more progressive. Um, also, there's a song on on the the album War with Reality that I'm going to have to sit down and show you, like in the next four, three or four days. Don't worry, cool. about it. it's just going right. to happen. Um, but it's it's really follows the same fast pace, you know, that sort of Slayer type drum beat is a pattern throughout its discography with those, you know, those fast paced high arcing riffs. They're all there. Um, but this does that, but also, like you say, it steps away and there's a real intricacy to the songwriting structure here. There's a real depth. Um, there's a real complexity. I don't feel that these songs have been written so much as they've been sculpted, that they've been like architecturally pieced together. Um, because I've been listening to this album, because I love this band. Uh, I've been listening to this album pretty much nonstop for like a fortnight. Um, and really like the things are still clicking together. Like I was listening to it early this afternoon and I was like, oh, they've, I didn't even realise they brought that riff back, but they just play it in a different key here. And, oh, there's this note here that, that they, they go back to. And there's this little motif that they sort of readdress. And they, they do this they do these wonderful things where they'll play a riff and then they'll, they'll sort of subtly bring it back in for like four or five bars further down the song. But in a kind of different way where if you don't catch it, you don't notice. But it's still it, subconsciously, you know, wherever you are in the song because of that happening even while so much stuff is, is is changing and transitioning. I think it's incredibly clever. I feel like this this is like um this is like taking a degree in death metal, this album. Some of the some of the complexities and the transitions. This is like Harvard Business School for metal songwriting because the way that some of these songs are structured together, some of the transitions. Now I love I love angry metal as much as the next man, somewhat more than the next man, unless the next man is you. Um but I one of the main criticisms I would say for death metal and beyond is that it can be quite formulaic mm. to the point where you can say, okay, this is going to happen. Then this, then this. Um, and you kind of all, all automatically know how long a breakdown is going to last. And when it's going to do that thing where it brings it back slower and when the, you kind of already can tell when the solo is going to happen and that sort of stuff. Um, I don't feel that way without the gates. I didn't listen to this album and I, I, I found myself unable to predict the twists and turns. It was like kind of watching um, a really great TV show with like twists and, and little, little, um, little changes at the end where I was like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't expect this to happen. And 
oh, that's a fantastic little twist here. And and then it brings it back to the original motif that I'd forgotten about from the introduction because we're sort of five minutes down this other rabbit hole. I think because of that, this is such a beautifully written, beautifully written album. Um, I haven't even spoken about the songs yet. You can really tell I'm sort of gushing about this because this fits, as a metal fan for me, this actually combines two of my different types of fandom in the sense that I think it contains that intensity and brutality of, of great metal but also with a progressive and intelligent and melodic element together. It kind of makes sense that you mentioned that this is like a different sounding at the Gates record to one you've heard before, because I believe if I've done my research correctly, this is actually the first concept album. Uh, it's based off the idea that like uh, pessimism links to the idea of horror. Uh, and that's off the works of an author called Thomas Ligotti, who the vocalist of At The Gates, Thomas Redant, uh, is a big fan of. And I think you can hear the idea of this being a concept album getting played out quite regularly, can't you, Sam? Because there are literal moments in, the, in songs where the track will just break off into something completely outlandish. And some of it is like amazingly put together right. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the, some of the, the, some of the sort of little changes, but also not even the sort of ones. There's the massive. Oh, we're in this room now. We're in a completely different song. Um, God and Cyrus is an example of oh this. Oh my god, mate, it's amazing. Like, mate, the sax, mate. When the sax comes in, bit of Rivers of Nile. I was like, mate, lads, class. Ab- absolutely, and it didn't even remotely feel out of place, out of place at all. I loved it. I loved it as an accompaniment, and then as the. As the song changed, it continued to snake alongside the riffs and and sort of like, you know, push upwards toward this brilliant crescendo. Absolutely terrific. But there's so many um, examples of this um, nightmare of being. It just there's like a like a beautiful solo near the end where it just feels completely different to the first little part of it as well. Um, and it's it's the same. It's the same with, with one of my favourite songs we get to a little bit later called Touch by, Touch by the White Hands of Death. Which I just think is amazing, um, and and also that happens at the end of um, of Paradox a little bit too. There's so many moments throughout here. Um, Fall into time is the is the is the big one as well. Sorry, with the the orchestral start, yeah, it breaks into that bit where it's just the bass and the drums, and then the the guitar solo comes in, and then it goes back to the introductory riff, um, and that's the moment that I'll say that feels like dream theater. Yeah, it just broke away, and it went to that sort of bass and drums, that complex drum fill. And then slowly started building back up, and you completely forget what the song sounded like at the beginning. Yeah. To the point that when it returns, it's like, oh yeah, that was a class intro riff as well. And like, like you were saying, um, this this is it's appropriate that this is based on literature because it feels it feels like the musical equivalent to a terrific piece of writing. It feels like a dissertation, you know, when it just delves away and then brings you back with a thesis and. So keeps referring to this overall idea and overarching um, concepts and stuff, and then concludes at the end. I think it's at the time some of the some of the songwriting here is just stunning. I mean, mate, Spectre of Extinction, the start of this album opens with an acoustic that bleeds into a crushing heavy riff. I mean, did they write this for us? <laughs> it's yeah, amazing. It's, it's, it's so good. Incredible. It's, it's battery for death metal, isn't it, mate? It's, it's amazing. So good. I mean, that track, it just it eventually does break into a classic at the gates kind of style of intricate riffing in front of them kind of sledge drums and the lead riff comes back in on the chorus as well and they do that loads throughout this album but it, it never it never like it always comes like as a surprise and the way it's kind of structured 
Spectre of Extinction is such a great start to this record. It is absolutely brutal, man. I love it so much. I completely, I completely agree. I, I love the, the the fury, the the way that it just gets away from it and then like goes right back into that sort of fantastic triplet drum fill, um, and just keeps just so much going on. The crushing rhythms, the high pitched drilled notes, is a absolutely face melting solo in his opening track. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. And then goes, there's so much life and energy. Like this is a band, you know, twenty years down the line, they're just absolutely superb. And then the paradox, Chris. The paradox does exactly the same. That like that I don't even know what to call it. And you've got is it like a gong sound or like this this like weird noise they've got at the start, it's just this triplet riff, and then it comes right back in with the same sort of stuff. And it this is the thing about at the gates is that they managed to bridge the crushingly heavy and the beautiful melodic at the same time. How do they write riffs where it's like heavy and grimacing, but at the same time you can hum, you can sing to some of these riffs. It's it's what yeah. it's wonderful. Um, goes back into this melodic section again that you can hum along, hum along to, that you can sing, and there's a beautiful solo at the end. Just the, the two, the the, the one-two punch at this opening record. I was immediately that's when I was like, you need to listen to this album. Like two songs in, I was like, this is class. How are they? How were they able to do this? How is there so much vitality in this opening um, of this record, mate? That the the big galloping riff that goes through the chorus of the paradox. It's mm. so good. I absolutely love that, man. I knew, I, I, I literally put here that I'm, for Garden of Cyrus, I put, I'm absolutely certain, Sam, on my notes, will I will love the opening of this. The drum work is gorgeous. And I think Garden of Cyrus is my favourite track, you know? Like, wow. the, the, the way that the atmosphere is built in the track is like, kind of like stunning there's like a really delicate instrumental in it uh, there's a saxophone in it big rivers of nile vibes love that love that band um the when the vocals do kind of come in that they're, they're pitched quite deep in the mix but they don't really detract from anything that they're purely as like an atmospheric tool it, this is like a four minute exercise in building atmosphere through music it's so good um now like at the gates they've had like moments of progression before this isn't like the first time at the gates ever done anything kind of progressive i mean like on slaughter of the soul there's like under a serpent sun which like takes like moments of like real progression instrumental but here like because of the concept of the album it's taken to like a whole new realm that i've never heard from at the gates before if someone's in the comment section it's like massive on at the gates and knows their discography let me know if they've done any, any other album that leans on this but I've never heard at the gates do this before, like to this extent, anyway. No, no, not to, not to this extent. I completely agree. There are moments, but this is the first time I think that they've had like a focused energy towards extending the style and structure of their songs in this way. Uh, I want to talk about my favorite song on the album at this point. You talked about Garden of Cyrus. I want to talk about Touched by the White Hands of Death, um, yeah. which I which I think immediately is like one of their best songs I've I've heard. No, I haven't heard every song I've ever written. I just immediately fell in love with this one um, because it's got that. It's just got a wonderful intro, black metal again, like sort of orchestral, descends into this incredible fast paced riff, just that you you can automatically you nod it along to an incredible chorus riff with an amazing chord sequence, the, where the the riff sort of continues but the chords underneath change. 
And I just think that's wonderful. The way they're able to combine to, to sort of subtly change mood and tone of, of an of, of a song in not an obvious way where the, the main riff continues, but the chords around it change or the, there's a slightly pattern that sort of differentiates it a little bit later. I just think he's so smart. Um, it's It combines that ingenuity and simplicity that, that I think that the guys are just absolutely wonderful at. Um, and then there's like a middle section riff that he's just brilliant, but it also feels like a completely different song, a completely different death metal song, but it's equally brilliant. I think the White Hands of Death is so good. You can split that into two two-minute tunes. And I think they've both been really good and standalone. I think it's that good. I, I really, really do. I think it's terrific. Um, and then, obviously, I don't know if you agree, but obviously Gordon Soros is caught up on his own with that saxophone and that style. But I think it gets more proggy the further down the album it goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy that. So every every song seems to take one step further. Because you get... You get after that, you get falling into time with that like Egyptian style. Mate, riff. I love the fall into time, yeah, with like this strange vocal in the background again, right? Where it's like a kind of chorus of voices at the start. Again, I was thinking, all right, this is pretty proggy. Um, and then that that beautiful build up, and then the, the, the aforementioned bass stylings they seemed on, the, on that song, Fall into Time, they were like, we should do what we want for five and a half minutes. It, it just seems less a song and more like a. I don't know, like a sort of jam session of like expert musicians. Mate, I tell you how much I was enjoying like the progressive elements of this record. When I saw the fall into time was like seven minutes. I'm rubbing my hands together and I'm like, great. They're going to do, they're going to, they've, they've got a seven minute track. So if, if they've already put these elements of progression into like Garden Osiris, what are they going to do in seven minutes? And the fall into time absolutely delivers like, because of the way at the gates can craft and play with their progressions, you really look at this as like a seven-minute opus. That really grand, ominous opening with the strings behind Thomas is huge. Uh, the bass notes on the instrumental we were talking about before, mixed with the drums, how it's pieced together is like an absolute mind blow. And like then the lead guitar comes back in, and it, it's like kind of technically progressive, and it's all executed so well. It's like the fall into time. I probably would go Garden of Cyrus and then the Fall Into Time in terms of my two favourite songs on this record. Whoa. And and that's like, and they're the two that I think are probably, for me, from what, from what I can piece together, the most progressive in a melodic death metal album. I think that's why I like the record so much. It's a melodic death metal record. And the two tracks I like the most are the ones that kind of give me, give me that, but then break away over here and do something completely off kilter. That's not to say though, that the moments where on this record, we're at the gates are just being at the gates are a let down because Sam, the abstract enthroned <laughs> is so direct death metal. It is class. Like within like a second, it turns into this really furious cutting grind mix. Um, and then, but as well as that, there's like church organs thrown into the mix as well. And the guitarist, Jonas, what's his, Jonas Stalhammer, he has put, the lead guitarist he is, he has put a shift in on this record. P.S. That's the, the that's the greatest death metal Swedish guitarist name I've Jonas ever heard. Stalhammer. is amazing. Yeah. He could either be in Act the Gates or he could be a dwarf in Lord of the Rings. There was no other, no other profession available for him. That is just amazing. I wanted to quickly ask you, 
uh, thoughts on lead guitar because Slaughter of the Soul, obviously their lead guitarist at that point was Anders Bjorla, and he left in 2017. So my own, my in terms of lead guitarist for At the Gate, I only knew Anders Bjorla, but he left in 2017. And I, I think the guitar work on Slaughter of the Soul for me is the best thing about it. And Slaughter of the Soul is crunchier than this record, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, they they seem to they seem to insert elements of that, but not con- in the same consistency as Slaughter of the Soul. But I think honest as as they've aged they've caught of aged like a fine wine in the sense that it's not as aggressive or as punchy or punky i guess if for want of a better phrase as it had been in the early 90s heyday which is typical for bands but what they've reached and said is a more thoughtful perceptive type of approach you know i think i think i i really like the transition that they've seemed to have delved into this more thoughtful um version of themselves there's more intricacy you know, less Patrick Vieira, more Zinedine Zidane type of thing, where they're more technical and more like sort of ethereal as, as part of their approach. You know what I mean? And, and that's that 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 when you get those moments like abstracting thrones, it felt like a classic at the gate song, but it was nice within this wider tapestry of at the gates experimenting that they dropped that in there because following that it was cosmic pessimism and i've never heard an at the gate song that remotely it sounds like cosmic pessimism yeah at the, all the conceptual nature of the album jumps out more on cosmic pessimism than anywhere else i feel like because of the narration and the there's, melodious tone on it there's like an element of tool to that with 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 at least with the guitar sound and the style of that song um but the more i listened to it the more i enjoyed it because there's a layered piece of songwriting it felt like again like a television show where the characters just keep building and the narratives just keep shifting because it goes backwards and forwards without a real chorus until like sort of the second go around and i enjoy that they build up to something and take you away and then build you up to something and take you away and then finally when it all happens at the conclusion it feels much more satisfying from a listener um i really enjoyed that but that takes a lot of um courage to write songs in that way without the immediate gratification of a great chorus many bands just avoid writing songs that way like it needs to have a chorus that early but it, it absolutely doesn't when it's written like this and the way that it comes back in uh, and this massive chorus with these continued lead motifs I just think is so clever it's like a meticulously blueprinted song and then you've got the final track which it feels like a compilation of almost everything at once because there are moments here that have sublime melodies um, throughout um, Eternal Winter of Reason from the guitarist with, again, head bobbing riffs with like a jungle style. I don't know how to, because there's like toms going on. There's like a sort of George the Jungle type feel to it. It's really odd, but it really works within the greater ideas of what they're trying to put together. And it's just a reminder that just as, just without what they're trying to do, without trying to contextualize it, Chris, there are so many great riffs on this album. Yeah, yeah, There are so, so very many that it feels like there's a couple every song just great chugging riffs where obviously to a lot of albums where it's like one one great riff every couple of songs and you sort of cling on to it like a lifeboat um but this it's just there's a plethora of stuff to sort of cling on to and again i think this reaffirms um at the gates as one of the the most intelligent and professional um songwriters in this field we've had because it's death metal 
but it's really strange that it does it. It seems to lack the, and I mean this is a compliment, but it seems to lack the maniacal, almost teenage violence of death metal's predecessors, and has replaced that with an almost um, like pre- calm precision. So it, it feels instead, it feels less like um, like Hammer House horror, where you're just sort of running around and screaming. It feels more like Saw. Or, or like, like a cold-blooded Ted Bundy type killer. Do you know what I mean? Where there's a yeah. plan and it's meticulously followed. It's not like a raging Tasmanian devil, like that Cannibal Corpse record is, which again, terrific. But that's 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 fury in a bottle. That is, and that's yeah. spoiled away. And you open it, it just this is measured. And more this is death metal Inception, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like death metal Quentin Tarantino. Not the Quentin Tarantino uh, yeah, did if, Inception, if Quentin, but like if Quentin Tarantino was a death metal guitarist, he would have written this album, and that's and that's that's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, because I came straight in from Slaughter of the Soul to this, I do kind of miss the crunch <laughs> because I've come directly from '95 to to now, like 26 years later. Now, obviously, and that's and that's not a criticism now because, like I said, this is 26 years on yeah. from Slaughter of the Soul. It'd be massively unfair. If I use that as criticism, I'm just saying objectively, I do miss that real nasty biting crunch. However, is, I love the I love the progress, I love the progressive elements that this record brings that Slaughter of the Soul didn't. That's interesting. I think that's fair. Do you think a lot of that rawness and crunch is made up by the mixing job that was less polished Possibly. in the mid nineties? And Possibly. usually we're we're pro, you know, polished mixes, aren't we? Usually. Um so maybe there's an element where you have to, you know, you have to toe the line between that a little bit because the Cannibal Corpse record, uh, to refer to it again, lots of rawness, lots of crunch, but also the, the the mixing job was very hands off. It felt it felt like you know just play, we'll press, you know, we'll press play, stop and record. That's all we're doing. Um, whereas this this feels this feels very much um, pieced together um, in an justice for all type meticulous kind of way. Um, and I think that's for its benefit. I think, Chris, I'll be honest, I think, because if you listen, if you listen to the previous albums, it's not mixed as well as these, even in 2018. Um, to, to drink from the night itself has a rawness. And it kind I feel that as a result of that, that maybe the, the album's style and content actually dictated their mixing decisions and production ideas. Um, so maybe if we ever saw a return to those, like if, 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 you know, if 12 songs were abstract enthroned maybe it would have that rawness because they would let the mixing job reflect that songwriting style you were kind of talking about this earlier in terms of this isn't a fury in a bottle record when i interviewed max cavalera for distorted sound he referred to some death metal bands and he meant this as a compliment as like caveman metal in terms of death metal made like purely for the aggressive let's yes. just survive nature and this uh, just to kind i think to kind of add in a little extra footnote to your point this is a much more open feathered like kind of peacock of a death metal record right it's melodic yeah, death oh, metal with, like, with, with, with just so much in there that we could probably spend another 30 minutes breaking apart but the one thing i wanted to add before we close off here Eternal Winter of Reason has a massive chorus on it. When have you ever said that about a melodic death metal band? <laughs> it's oh. chorus. It's chorus on Eternal. Uh, sorry, Eternal Winter of Reason. The chorus is huge. 
it's like it's like borderline anthemic within the confines of melodic death metal. Who does that? Who who who's capable of doing that? It's ridiculous. I, I, it's amazing. It's, it's an incre- it's an incredibly small list, but the guys at the top of it. Mate, the way you've spoken about this record, I'm not going to ask you if it's your album of the year. I'm I'm just saying from the way you've discussed this, I'm assuming it's right up there because from the way we spoke about Architects, uh, While She Sleeps, Teenage Wrist, you've spoken as positively, if not more so, I bet this than any of them. So has this compl- has shot itself straight into the conversation for you? It's in the conversation, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's... Um, if the list ended tomorrow, it'd be a top five album, no doubt. You'd love to hear it, man. Uh, that is going to close off our review of the new At The Gates record, The Nightmare Of Being. It is out on the 2nd of July via Century Media Records. Uh, me and Sam are going to be back. This com- this episode is going to come out on Friday the 25th. Me and Sam are going to be back on Tuesday the 6th. Um, on that uh, podcast, we should hopefully have an interview with Born of Osiris guitarist Liam McKinney. And we'll be looking at new a new record from Cognitive and I'll be looking at other things that are coming out then as well. Remember, the best way to support us is to subscribe on the YouTube channel or to follow slash like, depending on whichever service you are using. Uh, this was our review of The Nightmare of Being by At The Gates. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We are going to be back on June the 6th. We hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. We'll see you soon. We love you. Bye.